welcome to another life-changing message from Pastor Vernell J.R. Samuel of Hungry for God Church. For more information, please visit our website, www.h4gchurch.com. Amen. Say, God is awesome. Right now, we're going to release our children to um, head to the back for their own, for Children's Church. Amen. We're such a... Um, as Prophetess Jacqueline just said, it was a prophetic. There is a prophetic aroma in this room, and I love this. I love the, I love those type of atmospheres because number one, I don't have to preach as hard. Um, number two, that means the word is going to come into your heart, pregnant. Do you know that? Do you know the, that in a let me talk about in Genesis one. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Bible says that the Spirit of God was moving on the face of the of the deep. And then God said, "Let there be light." Before the word came, the spirit moved. Before the word of God came, the spirit of God moved. If you give a word before the spirit, that word will be dead and void. You want to understand order? You want to understand divine order? You understand how God works? Is that the Spirit of God moves and then God speaks into the atmosphere that the Spirit of God creates. So if you ever wondered, why, we, why do we worship? Why do we sing songs? Why do we do all this stuff before the Word comes? That's why. To set the atmosphere so that the word of God will come. And as Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. Without the spirit, you just have a dry word. <laughs> when you go to religious environments where the, the spirit is not free to move, you just have words. And the Bible says that you, uh, Paul called it the letter. He said, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So do you realize that if I get up to you and preach a sermon and I have not spent time with God or spent time in the spirit of God, or we have not spent time in God's presence and we just hear sermons, or we're hearing our words and letters that actually can kill us. Because here's why. Say why. Because the Spirit of God enables you to act on a word from God. Without the Holy Spirit giving you the, the grace, the empowerment to actually respond to what God says, you can take a word from God. There was a man named Saul. The same Saul who wrote that same text I just said. We know about Saul. His, his name was turned into Paul after he had a, a head-on collision with the glory of God. He was on a horse getting ready to kill some Christians. He, was, he, was a, um, he felt that he was on an assignment from God to stop the church from growing. And when, Jesus, when God was blessing the church and these people were preaching about the resurrection of this man named Jesus and was talking about how the fact that his spirit was poured out on all of us and we started speaking in new tongues. And then all of a sudden, our, not only the men started ministering, but the women also started ministering and started prophesying as well. And our child, the children started prophesying and started laying hands on the sick. And they started seeing mass healings and mass deliverances and people turning their back on Judaism and turning it back on the synagogues and starting to come together as a family in the midst of extreme persecution, willing to give their lives over to this man named Jesus. Paul was like, who is this Jesus? And he's destroying and messing up my traditions. He's messing with my tradition and my customs. What I knew to be God, they're saying something else. 
And Paul, who lived under the law at that time, had permission by the law to kill Christians. He had legal permission to kill these heretics. Remember when, um, or these, those people who are blaspheming, the same religious law that crucified Jesus. And they wanted to kill Jesus early in his ministry. So the first day he preached, he was thrown out of a church. Jesus got up and he said, he got up to, uh, after, he, after he was baptized, he went to a synagogue, read um, Isaiah 61. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For God has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted. And in the Bible, and then Jesus said, and in this day, this in this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And he closed the book. Jesus didn't preach long. <laughs> That's all he said. He read the scripture and said, This day the scripture is fulfilled. But you know, I realized how revolutionary that statement was because that scripture was reserved for the Messiah. So you mean to tell me you're the Messiah? That's what he said. And the Bible says the people got up and threw him out the church. They tried to take him to a mountain to throw him off the cliff. His first time preaching, he felt he was faced with rejection. Not everybody's going to accept you. And everybody doesn't have to accept you. I'm teaching my daughter that now. <laughs> she had her hair done this weekend. She said, you think people are going to say my hair looks nice today in church? I told her, I said, they might, but some people might not like it. So she looked at me quiet. And I said, do you like it? And she had to think about it. And she eventually, she said, yes. I said, I said that's all that matters. All right? I need to teach you, people's approval of you doesn't mean anything. Who, 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 see, this is where you get set free from other people's opinions. You can't walk with Christ. You can't walk with Jesus. You can't walk with God if you're more worried about what other people think about you than what God thinks about you. Jesus didn't care if he got rejected by that synagogue, those people. He said, y'all missing out. The glory is on me. <laughs> I am the glory. I am the prize. <laughs> So this man, Paul, now Saul, now gets up. He says, I'm going to kill these Christians. I'm going to stop this church. If, even if I got to do it myself, I'm going I'm, I'm to kill all these Christians. The Bible says he was breaking into homerooms. <laughs> He's finding out where they were and was coming in and pulling people out of, out of their homes and was arresting them and even killing some of them. How many of y'all going to go back to homerooms this year? <laughs> but watch this. On his way, um, the Bible says on a road to Damascus, he was on a horse, and then Jesus appears. The same Jesus that he was trying to shut the people up by ever saying his name. Jesus himself appears to them, to him, takes him off of his high horse, blinds him, Shows him in a vision, I am. He said, why are you persecuting me? He was persecuting the church, but Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? You got to understand that the church is Jesus. We are the body of Christ. So don't get carried away with people when they talk about the church and make jokes about the church. The church, you talk about the church, you talk about Jesus, and he takes that personally. Jesus takes that personally. You talk about the church, you talk about me. That's my bride. Watch how you talk about the church. 
I don't care even if there's a church and right now the glory ain't there. Still find something good about it. They're still open. They've been around for 100 years. We've been open for six years. On the sake of that alone, 100 years? How many companies have been around for 100 years? All right? They're doing something right. But here's what I here's here's but here's what I want to say in these next few minutes. This month we're going to be talking about vision. And more specifically, I want to I want to establish vision from a kingdom standpoint and I want you to understand God's vision for the church, God's vision for our church. And it's important that you recognize because this year is going to be a paramount year for us. Um God has been challenging me or dealing with me, I should say, for the last few months in 2018 about going back to the or revisiting the vision of Hungry for God. Now, one of the things you, not, you need to understand about any, any, uh, any work that God establishes in the earth is that God always raises up a man and then he releases that person, that man or woman, to actually start a work, all right? And so there is no organization that exists without a vision that a founder hasn't been given in their heart. Steve Jobs, for example, who was the founder of um, Apple Technology, if you understand the backstory of how Apple and the, and the whole Apple revolution took place is that Steve Jobs, his passion for what he created in Apple really came from his, his, the, his, 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 um, his, his ties to the social revolution that was happening in the 60s. That he actually wanted to create a, a technology that the people was going to be able to have access to and it not be controlled by the government and not be controlled by, by, by the big wigs in the technology industry. Steve Jobs says, I want to create something that the people were going to be able to have. And he was, he was moved by that drive that I want to make it simple, not complicated like the old school computers. I want to make it simple. Why? Because I want everybody to be able to know how to use this. He had a mindset of empowering everyone. He had a, a mindset that all should be empowered, not just the upset few of geeks or people who just had more knowledge than everyone else. If you understand, I, I think I shared this before. I look at Steve Jobs as an apostle for technology. We know about the fivefold. I talk about it often here, and we're going to go in depth in this year about it. But there's um, the Bible talks about the fivefold ministry, and it talks about there are apostles, and there are prophets, there are evangelists, there are pastors, and there are teachers. These fivefold offices. Traditionally, when people taught this in church, they put it in. A, they always put it in a, in a context of just church. But Jesus thinks kingdom, and when we talk about kingdom, we're talking about the church is in the kingdom, but the kingdom is not in the church. The church is just one aspect of the kingdom, and so. When, when God says, the Bible says he has given gifts to men, that some will be apostles, some will be prophets, some will be evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He's looking for people to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, not just in church, but in all of the areas of, of social influence. That God will have apostles in, in education and apostles in technology. That God will have prophets in business. God will have evangelists in education. God will have these types of people in different spheres of influence. So when, I, when, so when you understand that, you can realize that I'm going to teach you this. Again, I'm going to teach you what the difference between 
what an apostle is, what a prophet is, what an evangelist is. Not by title, but I'm talking about by function. Because there are people who have a, who have a title with no function. They have a title that they paid for. They have a title that they gave themselves. But a title is not, I mean, a, the, the fivefold is not something that you can go to God and say, hey, God, I want to sign up for a prophet. God, I want to sign up for apostle. I want to be apostle. That sounds cool. No, the Bible says Christ gave these gifts to men, which means that you don't give it to yourself. Christ has sovereignly ordained that you would be something within those fivefold categories. But ultimately, the entire church has to learn how to identify how these gifts operate, how they flow, how they function, how they work together. Because there is all five are equally important. All five are equally important. An apostle is not more important than a pastor and a teacher is not more important than an evangelist or equally important. And what sometimes what happens is, is that those of us that rest in a certain office or grace, we kind of feel like what, what, I'm, what I have is more important than what the other person has. They do all that prophesying. I don't care about prophesying. I want to hear the word. That's the teacher talking. <laughs> right? Or they got all that teaching going on. We need to hit the streets and rent souls. That's an evangelist talking. You see? And depending on what the leadership is in the church, if a leader, whatever category the leader uh, uh, stands in, he flows out of whatever that, 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 that grace gift is. So there are evangelists, there are pastors who have an evangelistic office. There are pastors who have a prophetic office. There are, there are pastors who have a teaching office. There are pastors that have an apostolic office. And again, depending on where that leader stands, he may move and have different orientations and different motivations that's different than yours. But you have to understand how God decides to use your leader. So if your leadership is prophetic, for example, you're going to see a lot more uh, uh, emphasis on intercession and prayer and, and, and spending more time going on corporate fasts together and, and really seeking God and spending extended amounts of times in the presence because prophets are directly, the prophets have been given a grace to release a greater momentum of presence and power in regions and churches and congregations and cities. That's their job. One of their main jobs is to release and open up an avenue for the presence and power of God to come consistently. When you're not tied to prophetic voices and prophetic people in your life, you'll see there's a slow, you know, insensitivity to the presence of God. Okay? So, again, many of you are here because you came from, you may have come from different churches, you grew up in different churches, and I don't know what type of church you came from, but the type of church you came from looks like your leadership. So I oftentimes like to ask people, who's your pastor? And if I know the pastor and I know what their grace is or their gift is, their office is, I know how their church functions. You see that? That's how you understand. So when you join a church, you don't just join a church. You join a leader and you join its vision. You join a leader and you join a vision. So you need clarity before you join a church, understanding what's the mission here, what's your vision, they're talking about the leadership, and then understanding where we're going. See, when you don't ask those type of questions, many of you guys do that in your relationships. You just get hooked up with people and you never get clarity. So you don't have any direction. You don't know where they're going. You don't know where we're going. You're just driving in the car. I hate getting in the car, and I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> Before I, I put it in, in, in drive, I want to know, what's, what's, where am I going now? What's the plan? Amen? That's how you got to look at relationships, joining ministries, anything you join, marriage. 
<laughs> Everything. You got to understand what you're getting into, where we're going. Yeah. Now, how many of you, and I just want to backtrack, so real quick, I want to just lay this foundation. Hungry for God. This church, we're now six years old, but we actually have been, we have been established for, for 10 years now. And prior to being a church, we actually were more so a, what we call the Bible study. And out of that Bible study, there was a certain emphasis there. Um, who was there? Sean was there. Oh, Latifah was there too, pretty. Ebony. Amir. <laughs> Nicole came by. <laughs> Nadine. Bianca. Afia was there too, yeah. Sister Carol was there. I like Sister Carol. Sister Carol. <laughs> Because I want her to just say, share. Sister Carol, in your own words. I want Sister Carol to, um, to talk. In your own words, how would you describe what Hungry for God, how hungry, how hungry for God operated? Before we were a local church expression, what was that, those meetings and gatherings like? Just really quick. Uh, I would call it like an, a euphoria of, you know, freedom of the Holy Spirit in, in that place on Monday nights. It was like, you know, to use a local expression, it was like madness. Yes. Madness. My husband used to be wondering, where are you going to this hour tonight? <laughs> you know, what's going on? It, it really was, um, it's as if people just were completely out of control because of the presence of God in that place. And I, even though I was there from very early, I used to be very quiet in the background, taking it all in. But it was all-consuming, and once you were there, you never wanted to leave. Now, did people come for me? No. Right? People came... Because there was something going on there that God orchestrated and we just showed up to see what he was going to do next. Right? And what was amazing and what's amazing about that was, was that the, 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 the amount of, the amount of, of, of people who came out of that, those meetings and said, God gave me God showed me what my purpose was. God opened up my eyes and showed me my gifts. God allowed me to become activated in my calling. People who started their ministries, birthed out their ministries, after coming into a room in which we just allowed God to be free to move however he wanted to. And again, there was an intentionality behind teaching and introducing people to the revelation that God has called not just one person or a few people to the work of ministry, but he has called you and every single person to have a contribution to what he's doing in terms of bringing heaven to earth. And as we stir up people and prophesied to people and called out gifts in people, people came alive and people began to walk in their callings. We started releasing people into the streets. People began to now go out and pray for people on the streets, coming back with testimonies about how God used them to heal this person on the train. And when they were in the supermarket, God used me to pray for this lady that was pregnant and I blessed her and gave her money. And she said, I needed the exact amount that you gave me. You gave me the exact amount that I needed. And God was just using a bunch of people who made themselves available, who didn't wait for permission from a church, but just said, I'm going to do what God said I'm called to do. And God was challenging me in the end of this year. And he said to me, I'm calling you back to do what I called you to do, which is to equip and to activate, and to train, 
and to stir up the body of Christ so that they can run freely in their grace and their gifts and their callings without needing permission. You know why? Because the way the church reduced, or I won't even say the church, the way the religious spirit slowed down the move of God in the earth was by putting up hierarchies and power structures in place that said, you can't do that until I tell you. I'm talking historically proven. When Constantine institutionalized Christianity in the Roman Empire, what he at that same time did, at the same time do was, he said, Y'all don't got to run no more. Y'all don't got to hide no more. Nobody's going to persecute you no more. Nobody's going to kill you anymore. I'm giving you permission now. You're free. You can practice Christianity. But I'm going to set these people in place to govern everything that you're doing. So they had to exchange their raw freedom in Christ. They had to exchange for protection's sake and for no longer having to hide anymore, for practicing what they believed, they got, they got to get freedom, but at the expense of control, bureaucracy. And from 300 plus AD all the way up until the Protestant Reformation started in 1517 through Martin Luther, the church entered into a slow progression to powerlessness, Fear, deception. I'm giving you a whole history lesson. Do you know one of the things they said? That if at that time, after that institutionalization of Christianity, that if before Christians were, if somebody said, I want to get saved, we would say, hey, there's a bucket right here. Let's get baptized. They'll baptize you. After that happened, they said, you can't baptize until you get authorization. We have to approve of what you're doing. Took away the liberty from the church. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Once you take away that, you take away the liberty, you're also at the same time pushing the spirit of God out. Because the wineskin that the spirit of God moves in is a lot different than the, than the law. When Hungry for God came about, people came like, oh, it's on Monday night. It's not on a Sunday. So I was like, oh, it's not a church? Nah, it's not a church. All right, cool. We have more people coming on Monday nights than that's, that's what's in here right now. And there were people from all over. We had unchurched people, non-Christians. You had, you had church people. You even had leadership. All sorts of people coming. Just wanting to be a part of what God was doing. And I say all of that to say because I believe that that was just a foretaste of greater to come. God told me, he said, he just showed me this this morning actually. And Bianca, in her prophetic, with her prophetic self, <laughs> she was talking about order in the beginning. The, whole, the father said to me, he said, when I send my spirit, I send my spirit to either, to, to either create order where there is disorder or to destroy order that man created and called order. In the beginning, he created, because people think you can't be spirit-led and organized. One of the reasons why he called me to start this church, to move away from the Monday structure to a Sunday structure was to establish order. And he said, I need you to show people how to bring balance to the supernatural. You heard how she said? It was like madness. It was free. It was amazing. And it was, it was great. But it was unorganized. <laughs> it was unorganized. And I used to say, I don't like order. I don't like structure. <laughs> I used to say that. But God knew that there was going to be a generation of people 
people were going to run from order, run from organization, and call it demonic. That in order for us to be spirit-led, we have to move away from structure. That's not true. If that is the case, in Genesis 1, the Holy Spirit would have left the world the way it was. But the Spirit of God moved, and he put things in order. <laughs> Before he created us, he created order. God is a God of order. God is a God of order. Your life will remain a mess until you allow God to bring order into your life. God doesn't bless mess. God doesn't bless chaos. God blesses order. But what happens is the order, we have to make sure it's not our man-made created order. We have to make sure it is the order of what God, as Bianca said, is what is God ordering right now? That's divine order. So when I stopped Monday nights, people were like, why are you doing that? It doesn't make sense. God is moving every week. People are being healed. People are experiencing miracles. People are being blessed. Why are you stopping it? God changed the plan. God changed the plan. I'm not going to hold on to the order of what is. I'm not going to hang on to this structure because God is getting ready to create a new wineskin to pour out new wine. <laughs> See, most of y'all need to wait until after to catch up to what God already started. I want to be in tune. God speaks to you in advance. God gives you a word to prepare you for what he's about to do in five years, in ten years. That's why it don't make sense to you right now. But he's speaking to you from a, a future present tense. He's, he speaks to you from the end, from the beginning. So he's going to show you something, and it don't make sense for you to do it right now. But once you do it, five years later, you recognize that's why he said to do it. Faith is not understood looking forward. You understand it looking backwards. <laughs> so it didn't make sense. Why are you stopping hungry for God and God is moving? I'm not, I'm, I'm not stopping it. We're becoming a church and we're going to meet and organize on Sundays. And out of all those people that was coming, Nobody shifted to the Sunday. Now it became too institutionalized, too organized. We meet on Sundays at a set time. But my point is this. What God is getting ready to do, church, is that that was just, that was just the beginning. The latter is always greater. I'm not afraid to shoot something and kill it when God says to kill it. I don't care about the structure. I want. Jesus said, I can't pour new wine into old wineskins. You know what religion does? Religion, religion protects the wineskin at the expense of the wine. Religion, I like the vessel. It's a form of godliness. But the, the, the power is not in the vessel. The power is not the vessel. The power is what's in the vessel. When you begin to hold on to structure and routine and protocol and you begin to elevate that over the actual move of the spirit, you begin to value the wineskin and forget about the wine. But the wine is the treasure. You buy wine in the store, not because of the bottle, but because of the wine. And when Jesus spoke about wine, pouring out new wine into, into old wineskins, when he was talking about new wine, he was talking about the expression of the Holy Spirit in us. And he cannot begin to do a new work in us if we're so focused on trying to protect the old work of the past. Say, I need to be a new wineskin. <laughs> right? And he said, if you put new wine into old wineskins, the new wine will cause the wineskin to burst. 
I wrote about it in my book, The Jesus Mind. If you want to get a copy after church, you could. <laughs> but one of the things inside, I talk about the difference between old wineskins and new wineskins. Old wineskins are rigid. New wineskins are flexible. Old wineskins are hard. It was the vessel that people poured wine in. And if you put new wine, it was made out of like um, material um, that's designed to be, again, moldable and flexible. It's supposed to go with the shape of the wine. How much wine you put in it, it's supposed to be able to stretch with it. When it is old, the, 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 the fermentation of the new wine, it's so strong that it will cause that wineskin to burst. So being a new wineskin is that I am flexible, I am adaptable, I am moldable, I'm, I'm able to flow with God, I'm able to move with God, I'm not hardened, I'm not, I'm not stir, strict and stern. That's what religion is, right? You can't talk to religious people. You can't give them a new idea. You can't teach them a new revelation. That's why the Pharisees couldn't receive Jesus because his wine was too much for them to receive. They couldn't understand what he was releasing on the earth. Although there were signs and wonders, there was asking for signs and wonders. They couldn't even receive it. There's something about new wine. It does not give a regard for the wineskin. It will burst it. Too many of us are worried about protecting our wineskins. <laughs> Instead of giving ourselves over to the wine. The wine, the intoxicating effect of the Holy Ghost in your life, where he will change you from the inside out. When he fills you, the Bible said, Paul said, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. Why did he connect being drunk with being filled? Because that's what happens when you get filled. When you get drunk in the natural, you can't drive your car. Somebody else has to drive your car for you. When you get filled in the spirit, you got to get out of the driver's seat. And you have to be led by God. The spirit of God takes control and he begins to lead. He begins to drive and take you where you need to go. So your, every church needs to learn how to be spirit-led, how to be led by the spirit and not be led by our feelings, not be driven by our traditions, not be driven by our programs, not be driven by how much money we got in the bank, not be driven by who's left, who's leaving, and who wants to leave, <laughs> not be driven by the personnel. I could care less about any of it. I want the wine. And as long as I got the wine, God will give us the wine skin that's going to be able to contain and to host and to carry what he is distributing in the earth. Say the wine is more important than the wine skin. The spirit is more important than the structure. <laughs> yeah? But then the structure comes after we receive the wine so that we can begin to become organized around what he is doing. So now we can be good stewards of what he is pouring out. Does that make sense? So my vision is for us to be, as a church is that we will be a people of new wine and a people that have the wineskins. And those wineskins must be flexible. If you're going to follow me and follow the Spirit of God with me, is that you got to be flexible. You're going to have to be open because there's going to be a lot of changes. There's going to be a lot of changes. We have to follow the cloud. We have to follow the cloud. I may say we're going to do something for the next six months, and then the Spirit of God says we're going to do something else. But it's never going to just be what I say. I always, I also believe that there is a, un, a corporate understanding that those who are in the, in the flow. See, I didn't talk to Bianca about what, she was, what, she, what, what I was going to say. I didn't tell her the revelation I got this morning about order. She gets up here before worships and she starts talking about it. Right? The Holy Spirit. He will speak to us all. 
Those who are in the flow, they'll catch it. So I don't gotta, I don't, we don't have to. I'm I my past my pastoral office, my pastoral office was just God saying, I need you to pastor people because what I'm calling you to build and equipping and activating and training people, I need you to have a local hub in which you're gonna do that through. And I need a faithful, committed, dedicated people who will also be imparted into, also be trained, also receive new wine. And as they get filled and as they get drunk and as they receive the outpouring of what he's doing, of what I'm doing, then I can send you all out and we can begin to harvest more of souls, reproduce more people. We're going to be able to bring in a harvest where we're going to be reproducing Christ followers, people who are going to heal the sick, who are going to raise the dead. See, that was the new wine. The Pharisees weren't doing that. They were having church. Jesus was healing the sick. Jesus was healing the, the, the lepers. Jesus was, was multiplying food. Jesus was doing the supernatural. That's the new wine. Jesus was prophesying. The Pharisees were sitting there taking people's money. The church, that's all the church does. At, when there's no spirit, no power, the only thing that's left to do is take your money. That's all there is. To maintain our order. That's why they got mad because Jesus was messing up and disrupting their order. He was dealing with messing up their money. <laughs> Hallelujah. Say, I don't care about the wineskin. I want the wine, the new wine, not that old stuff. The new wine, that good stuff, the supernatural stuff. Yeah. And we're going to pay a price for it. We're going to pay a, you gotta, you're going to pay a price for it. My vision in 2019 is that I'm going to set up trainings all year long that I want you all to be a participant of. We, are, we, are, we had our Tuesday night God studies for the past few years. It's been really great and it's really powerful. But God told me to end it. And instead of our Tuesday night God studies, we're going to be setting up what I'm going to call master classes all throughout the year. And these master classes are going to be everything related to equipping you in the works of God, getting you trained and activated in your gifts, in your callings, in your God-given potential. So that as everyone becomes empowered to do the stuff that Jesus said to do, we're going to all go out and change the world. And we're going to inspire a generation to also run after God, to see that God is real, to see that Jesus truly is Lord. And we're going to disciple a nation. We can't do it without the new wine. We can't do it without the power of the Spirit. No matter how intelligent you are, I don't care how gifted you are, it's not going to be based on your human potential, your human intellect. We need God. We need His Spirit. We need His anointing. We need His favor. The mission of the church is an impossible mission. And God gives us His Spirit so that we can do the impossible. I've seen people get out of wheelchairs already. I've opened up deaf ears already. I'm talking about what I've seen in my own life. Simply believing God's word and doing what he said to do. Came to a point where if I've seen about it, I've seen people get up, people with strokes. When doctors said, it's going to take you six months to walk after prayer in one week, get up and start walking. This is the stuff I've been exposed to. This is what I've seen. I can't go back. Every Sunday I show up. Let somebody come in here that need healing. They're going to get healed. That's what I'm thinking. I'm not, I'm not thinking about me and what I'm getting out of this. I'm thinking about how are we going to show Jesus to somebody else who didn't know him before they came in this room. 
The father said to me, he said, Sundays is not even going to be the highlight of, of our church. It's going to be what we do Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's what, it's what y'all going to be doing. At homerooms, when you're on your jobs, wherever you are, that's going to be the highlight. Sundays, we're just going to come back and just talk about what God did through us. And then you know what? People are going to say, I want to come and be a part of this because I'm not getting fed where I am. I've been partying every week and I'm still, I'm still just as broken, still just as jacked up. I say I want to go out and have fun, but I ain't really having fun. I'm just wasting my money. I got to buy a new outfit every week. And we know we want to take pictures, so I can't have the same outfit on two weeks from now because people are going to remember what I had on. And that's what Instagram does now because everybody see what you got on. <laughs> Hashtag stop taking pictures. <laughs> stop playing, Vito. Hallelujah. But like I said, we're going to be start doing these master classes. I'm going to, one of the classes we have um, that we're going to be doing um, um, is, is going to be a course on the prophetic that I actually want to train and activate those of you that have, that feel like you might have the office of the prophet on you, or you might have the gift of prophecy, and maybe you just want to grow in that gift. Um, Paul said that you should earnestly and desire earnestly desire spiritual gifts, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. So prophecy is, is, is very important to the body of Christ and to what Christ wants to do in the world. And um, one of our, uh, our friend now who I introduced you to on New Year's Eve, prophet is um, Jacqueline Gaffney. She actually has a prophetic manual. And she, I remember she told me this over a year ago. We met at a, we actually met at a at a prophetic conference. I was teaching there, she was prophesying and ministering there as well. And we connected there like three years ago. Yeah, and then um she mentioned that she was working on a manual. And now she actually has the manual. And um, like I said, she actually goes and partners in different churches and activates people in this in this area. And again, this is um, some heavy stuff. And um, it's called the School of the Prophetic. Those of you that's joined this class, you're going to be sitting with her. And we're going to, she's going to be training you in that gift. Awesome, right? So that's just one master class. She's going to be working with us all year. Um, I'll be doing some classes myself. My goal is to reproduce teachers, to reproduce these. That when you go through the class, y'all going to be taking the classes and teaching other people. And we're going to just transform this church into an equipping center. Right? We're going to be transform this church into a destiny, a destiny incubator. This place is going to be a place of revival. People are going to walk in this place not knowing their purpose, not knowing what they're called to do, and then get in touch with God. And all of a sudden, pew. Everything, the lights go on. They can arise and shine. We're going to do a class on healing. I'm going to teach you how to heal the sick. We're going to, we're going to grow in that area. We're going to do a class. on. I want to do a mixture of spirit, and I want to do a mixture of life skills. Classes on parenting, courses on, on, on marriage, all these different things. We're going to put all this stuff, finances, all this stuff. We're going to have different classes. And I want, you're going to have to sign up for it because they're going to be intimate classes. We want people that are going to be serious, not just information junkies, but people that actually want to take this stuff and apply it to their lives and run with it. All right? So you're going to hear more about that as we go on in this month. But like I said, there's a new wine skin for new wine. This is where I thrive. I like preaching on Sundays. That's cool. But I, my, my real strength is in activating people, equipping people, helping them find their purpose and callings. That's what I like to do. All right? <laughs> I don't care about well-crafted sermons. I, we got a lot of people that can do that really well. I want the power of God. I want, to, I want to say five words. 
like Jesus. And the Spirit of God drop, people get healed, demons get cast out, and we could go home after that. That's what I want to do. <laughs> Amen. All right. So, Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the new wine. Can we just pray together? Say, Holy Spirit, we love you. We want you. We need you. We saw church without you. Now we want to see church with you. We want to see you in your, in your raw form. You have permission to use us, to fall on us, to fill us up until we get drunk, overflowing in the new wine, until I can't recognize myself anymore because you just took over me. I want to be possessed by you. Nothing else will do. Fill me to overflow. We need you. Thank you, Lord. Come on, just receive new wine today. And I just pray, Father, that you will begin to give us the wineskins, the mindsets, and the structure necessary in our own lives, the divine order that we need to be able to be recipients of the new. Help us to be adaptable and flexible and teachable in this season. Help us to be open, not closed. Give us the grace to see what the Spirit of God can truly do where there is liberty and freedom to move. We know that it's not you. We're just the vessel. We know that it's not us. It's, it's you. It's, we're just the vessels. But it's you that people are hungry for. It's you that people are dying for. And may Hungry for God be that place where people can have life-changing encounters with God that can empower them to fulfill their purpose so that they can change the world and we can change the world together. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. This concludes another life-changing teaching from Hungry for God Church. For social media updates and more teachings from our pastors and leaders, please visit our site, h4gchurch.com.